Today is February the 8th. Does God punish us for our sin? Let's find out together as we study Joseph's life. Today, as we continue to read through the Old Testament, I'd like you to read Genesis chapters 40 to 42. Now, between yesterday and today, we saw the beginning of the story of Joseph. As we start off, chapter 46 of Genesis deals with Joseph's ancestors. We see the um, moral depravity and we see the hostility continues to reign supreme over Jacob's and now Joseph's families. Um, in chapter 37, starting in verse 2, this is the account of Jacob and his family. This is the genealogy of the book of Jacob. Um, we get no genealogy. Instead, we enter straight into the story of Joseph. That marks this phrase as one of the key phrases in Genesis. To divide Genesis into the story of five men, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Jacob, and now the last, Joseph. Joseph is the one who we have the least bad to say about. Overall, Joseph is a really, really good guy. In chapter 20, uh, 37, we do see some of Joseph's youthful indiscretions. He's a little proud. His father plays favorites with him. He's the first son of the beloved wife, Rachel, who has now passed away, and maybe overcompensating for that. Joseph is taken, the tenth child born, and he is given a coat of many colors, a beautiful robe, one that was suitable for the firstborn. With that coat, Jacob was saying to his sons, this will be the one that I consider my firstborn, the firstborn of the wife that I loved, of Rachel. Now his brothers hated Joseph because of that, because daddy played favorites. Joseph wasn't too smart. He had uh, a couple of dreams in those dreams. He saw um, sheaves, sheaves of wheat bowing down, 11 of them, to the one sheaf of wheat that Joseph had harvested. It was obvious what the dream was about. His brothers would serve Joseph. They uh, didn't like that. He had another dream, the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to him. Father and mother and his 11 brothers bowed down to Joseph. Well, you know the story, his brothers took him, they were gonna kill him, uh, but uh, one brother in particular was going to rescue him, Reuben, the, the actual firstborn. Um, Reuben went 
to uh, do something different. And the other 10 brothers who were there said, uh, what good is it to us if uh, we just kill him? If we just let him die in the hole that we threw him into? Let's sell him as a slave and at least we'll make some money. Reuben came back, found out that they had sold him, and Reuben, uh, he, he was, he was uh, disturbed. They uh, lied to their father. They poured animal blood on the robe. They gave the robe to his father, and his father said, some animal has killed him and eaten him. We come to chapter 38 and the strange story of Jacob and Tamar. Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. She married his oldest, and his oldest died. Judah gave Tamar to his second oldest son, as was a custom, and the purpose was to provide uh, uh, a son that would serve instead of his oldest. He died too. Judah says, I think I see a pattern here. My youngest son is not of marrying age. So he said to Tamar, just wait. But he had no intention of giving his youngest to Tamar. Um, Tamar realized that. One day when Judah was out traveling, Tamar heard about it. She dressed herself as a temple prostitute. Judah came to her, had sex with her, and she became pregnant as a result. The whole purpose of chapter 38 is to show the moral depravity and the internal hostility in Israel's family. We come now to chapter 39. We pick up the story of Joseph. Joseph is in uh, Potiphar's house. You know that story as well. Apparently, Joseph was a handsome young man. Potiphar's wife made advances to him. Joseph refused. And as a result, Potiphar's wife made up a story. Had Joseph thrown into prison, life imprisonment was the sentence. Now we find Joseph in prison. And in chapter 40, the Lord begins to work. Joseph interprets dreams for two prisoners. One of them is a cupbearer for uh, the Pharaoh. Uh, that is more than just the guy that served him wine. Cups, and especially silver cups in Egypt, in the rest of the Middle East, were very important. They were used for forecasting the future. We see later Joseph's cup becomes important in uh, just a couple of chapters. We'll talk about that next week. The cupbearer is serving Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream and he can't interpret it. He calls for his cup. The cupbearer brings his divining cup. Pharaoh looks into it and says, I don't understand the dream. And the cupbearer says, I might know someone who can help. You know the story. He calls Joseph, and Joseph now interprets Pharaoh's dream of 
A coming seven years of plenty followed by seven years of severe drought. He advises Pharaoh to save during the seven years of plenty. Pharaoh says, who can oversee this task? No one better than the man who understood the dream. And suddenly, Joseph is promoted to the second most influential position in Egypt. I wonder what Potiphar felt. Potiphar was the captain of Pharaoh's bodyguard. I imagine he swallowed hard when he saw Joseph standing before Pharaoh. And yet, apparently Joseph said nothing about Potiphar or what he had done to him. In chapter 42, the last chapter that I wanted you to read, we see the beginning of the story of God's redemption. Joseph's family is now dying in the severe famine, and they come to Egypt seeking food. Joseph meets them, recognizes them, and for a couple of chapters, I really think Joseph doesn't quite know what to do. While he figures that out, Pharaoh's brothers have a conversation. Now, Joseph has already decided to send them home with food, which he does. He also puts their money back in their sacks so that it wouldn't cost them anything. But I wanted to read chapter 42, verse 21. After Joseph began to treat them roughly, accusing them of being spies, there in Egypt to scout out all of the defenses and how bad things are. Speaking among themselves, they said clearly, we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. Started this devotional with the question, does God punish us for our sins. One of the things that usually happens, it's not God's punishment. It is the effects of the sin itself that comes back to get us. In this case, Joseph's brothers were in Egypt and God was supplying their need. God was literally saving them at this moment. But what did they see? They remembered their sin. They remembered Joseph's pleas for his life. And they said, God is punishing us. So many times, we think God punishes us when he's not. Instead, sin is having its detrimental effect in our own life. Do you feel sometimes that God is punishing you? Take a good look at what's going on. Could it be that this is something in your own life that has come back to trouble you? If it is, take it to God. Repent of the sin and ask for His help. 
Like, follow, and subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to this devotional. Tomorrow, we'll ask the question, does God speak to us?